0: Hello listeners, and welcome to episode 236 of the Spoiler Alert podcast, brought to you by MovieOutsiders.com. This is Mike, I'm here with Danny, and tonight we're going to be finally discussing a movie we've talked about and teased (laughs) for weeks and months, The Frontrunner, about the failed presidential campaign of Gary Hart, starring Hugh Jackman. Danny, how are you doing tonight?
1: I'm doing great, Mike, and and the reason we teased this so much is because we knew anticipation would be so high. That's
0: why we had to wait. Yeah, this is. We
1: knew that awareness for this picture is sky high. Yes, we knew that anticipation is frothy. It's
0: it's broken uh, box office records for the last six weeks.
1: You can't you can't walk down a city street without seeing billboards and buses <laughs> and taxi cabs, people wearing t shirts, a lot of face tattoos. <laughs> Wow. This is a big one.
0: Why did we pick this movie? How did
1: People how did, having like Front Runner themed weddings <laughs> that featured on YouTube to the hit soundtracks. Like this of the is Rings one that's all
0: over again. Right. Yeah. This
1: one will go down in the history books as one of the most possibly the most popular movie of 2018 if not all of time. The 21st century. Yeah, me, yeah. yeah. Right, right. Lots of awareness, really <laughs> fervent. I don't know why we're doing this one. It it's got a good pedigree i mean jason reitman is co-wrote and directed it and starring hugh jackman vera farmiga jk simmons
0: these are these are good actors yeah
1: these are these are fine performers and creators (laughs) and i don't know but boy we kept teasing it because it kept getting kicked around with the release schedule it's it's only only
0: in like seven theaters right now (laughs) Like,
1: well, it probably went wide and then is already dying on the vine. I think it made a million dollars last weekend. You no, know,
0: I've been reading outside the
1: top ten. I've been
0: reading the Inside Oscar uh, book every time we do a Best Picture, and there's a few that we did that I had not yet read the synopses of. And I recently read one, and it was, and it was laughing about one of the big awards movies for that year and how. Basically, their campaign is a what not to do if you have a potential Oscar contender. And like the whole thing was that I wish I could remember what movie it was, but it was a movie that I remember hearing about and they just hyped and hyped and hyped out of it for months. And then they opened it on Thanksgiving weekend in like three theaters and then waited nine weeks to open it anywhere else. And it was like just this ridiculous, like it was on the cover of... Entertainment Weekly and Variety and every newspaper across the country like, you have got to see this f- movie. And then nobody could see it. Like, you could a- see it
1: at two in LA right. and one in Midtown right. Manhattan. Right. It's, and that's it's it. the
0: holiday season and you could not see this movie to save your life. And it ended up being like a, a widely critically acclaimed movie. But I sort of feel like that's kind of the, the case here. It's a movie we've been hearing about for several months and has been on a lot of it was doing the film festival circuit and on a lot of critics best lists and then it goes into theaters but only into a couple and here here we are talking about it months after it made its theatrical debut
1: and we may be the only two humans talking about it (laughs) i bet there are more people talking about the movie i'm going to ask you about next after last week's episode, I wanted to follow up did you watch Rocky IV yet? I have not yet. No. Sorry. Listeners, if you've not listened to our episode on Creed Two, Mike enjoyed that film but has never seen Rocky IV, so I had no frame of reference for Dolph Lundgren. And his character and, and well, the antagonism between me and
0: Rocky. The, the, and That's a no frame of reference. I mean, I've, I've read about Rocky and I did some research. Oh, you read the
1: novelization. The, yeah,
0: correct. Yes, the right. paperback. You
1: went to correct. the stage play of Rocky <laughs> right, Four?
0: Right, right, right. At I, the
1: musical. I
0: interviewed Sly Stallone about it at one point, yes. Yeah,
1: <laughs> right. Right. You're the kind of guy who would interview Sly Stallone about Rocky Four, not having yet seen <laughs> Rocky Four. Well, you'd be like, "Oh, this was really good. I don't know if we'll use any of this audio, but thanks for sitting down with me, Mr. Stallone." And uh
0: Thank, thanks for thanks for sitting down with me, Ms. Lansbury.
1: <laughs> yes, his jowls are are fairly reminiscent yeah. of Angela Lansbury. Right. Well, let's talk about this movie. I, I, no one else has seen or heard about this movie, so I think we're safe in just moving along.
0: Let's let's get into it.
1: This movie is about the failed presidential candidacy of Gary Hart, who is a former senator from the state of Colorado, a Democratic hopeful who ran in 1984, lost to Walter Mondale in the, uh, the primaries, and then went on to, to, to run in the to hopefully get the Democratic nomination in an attempt to, uh, to go against George H.W. Bush in 1988. And this is the story of, of Gary who was a a political star and the front runner in the campaign, Uh, a man who, according to characters in the film, had the superpower to distill political arguments down into nuggets and phrases that everybody could understand and make complicated issues relatable. The type of leader that we need today. Unfortunately, it turns out he was also a bit of a womanizer and this is the story of how one and a half weeks into his presidential campaign, he was uh, discovered to be having an affair by the Miami Herald and ultimately like six days later dropped out of the race in disgrace and basically faded from the national limelight immediately thereafter. Yeah and, th- and that's the front runner.
0: Yeah, what what did you it, well before we even before I even ask you what you thought of it, I saw this movie two weeks ago. It, two and a half weeks ago in Dallas, because it was showing here, you saw it just a day or two ago in, in Wisconsin? Yeah, last night. Yep. Okay, all right. Uh, I had so the
1: theater to myself.
0: My my memory's so. fading. My, I, I think two and a half weeks ago in Dallas, I had the theater. It was like me and three other people. But what what did you think of The Front Runner? What, what did you think?
1: Honestly, I sort of have no opinion of this movie. Okay. I did not like it but there wasn't enough there for me to hate it either. I just am sort of ambivalent about almost every aspect of this film. Yeah, How about you?
0: I think that's a very good description. I I think that you said it better than I could have. You know the the Agreed. The, the, the Rotten Tomatoes reviews on this are not good at all. It's it's oh, no? It, it, no, no, it's getting kind of panned. The audience reviews are a little bit higher. And I I think I left thinking, yeah, I mean it was it was sort of entertaining for 2 hours, but you know, didn't expose me to anything terribly insightful. Didn't open any amazing thoughts for me. Like this, this is just one of those that it it was like sort of a a, a decent Dateline special, and and maybe no more.
1: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely had this sort of historical biopicish feel to it, but to me, it felt like the first forty percent of a really good movie. Like, it sort of starts, he gets caught having an affair, he sort of denies it, and then his campaign peters out and he's done. I thought, where's the rest of the movie? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was it was almost two hours long, so I didn't want to sit there much longer, but I just felt like that can't be all this movie has to say, and that's all it has to say.
0: Yeah, it, it really is all it has to say. I think that if if I were to take away a theme or a lesson from the movie, it's hindsight is twenty twenty. I think that the 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 big climax of the film is his failure to answer a press conference question adequately you see his i mean this is in the last 10 minutes of the film and you see his staff standing behind him when he's asked have you ever had an extramarital affair they're all just going say yes say yes say yes, say yes. like i mean you're, you're basically already accused of it anyway you're in the court of public opinion you're right, guilty right. of this don't don't blow it by trying to soft shoe your way through this answer. And what does he do? He tries to soft shoe his way through the answer. And that's the end of his presidential bid, uh, you know, and, and, you know, prestigious political career forever. Right. Like you've already come clean to your wife. Your daughter already knows what's going on. Like the, the, argue whether or not it's the public's business or not, just answer it honestly. And I think had he answered it, honestly, he'd have landed on his feet, whether he'd have been president or not, he'd have landed on his feet at the end of that press conference. And he did not in that. And, and that to me was the theme of the movie. It took, it took two hours to get there. And that was the, Oh boy, that, that was the lesson here. See, and I, I
1: really struggled with what is the lesson because I felt like this movie tried to have it, tried to have every side of this argument on the one hand it sort of took Gary Hart's side saying it's nobody's business but his and, and his wife's and it's their private business. He's entitled to his privacy. We don't need to know. It doesn't – this type of activity doesn't impair his grasp of the issues and the political challenges facing the country today, which he was um, zealously um, you know, fighting for right, in his right. own way. Yeah. Uh, It also takes the, the side of his wife and how she had come to grips a long time ago with Gary's indiscretions and they had a somewhat open marriage. This seems to imply that she at least knew that he was unfaithful at times and she was okay with that as long as she wasn't embarrassed. Then it wants to take the side of the press who seemed... Honestly, they seemed indignant. Like how dare Gary Hart make us cover his extramarital affair <laughs> and make us stoop so low as to hide in his bushes and stake him out. Then it wanted to to say how dare the American people have an appetite for this sort of salacious news that's forcing us to do this. And everyone seemed pretty wistful for the good old days when JFK and LBJ right, and all right. the other politicians had tons of affairs. And the press had affairs with one another, and everybody just sort of turned a blind eye to everyone. Yeah, there's also a, a character having a very powerful "Me Too" moment speech about the fact that Gary Hart was a man in power who was taking advantage of any woman who wasn't his wife and would sleep. It just felt like, so is this a "Me Too" movement sure. movie? Is this uh how you know? you shouldn't commit affairs. Is this, you, you can commit affairs because it's nobody's business. Is this, it's our business, but we shouldn't have, I just didn't know what the arguments this movie was trying to make. And I don't know if it was this attempt to be like even handed and present all sides of the argument. I, I but it felt I think really that that, like, I think
0: that tooth-based. was the case, but then it, it does get a little like, What side are you on with it? Yes. Yeah, so I, I, right. I, I do think that that's what they were trying to do. I'll tell you one thing. I, I love historical movies like this. And I love the show, The West Wing. I think that it makes working on a presidential campaign look so freaking cool. It's like every time I see an episode of The West Wing where they show a flashback of the staff working on Bartlett's campaign. And in a movie like this, I just feel like I'm in the wrong job. I so want to be in that job where you're, you're so enamored with somebody that you you feel like they should be the next leader of the free world and you're willing to work long hours and travel and make huge sacrifices for something that cool i i think that this made that look that way even even when the staff bickers and argues and and puts each other down i just feel like that that it seems like such a cool club to be a part of
1: fine i'll run you've convinced me <laughs> i will you can run my campaign. I know we've had this conversation a number of times. Clearly I'm qualified. Clearly.
0: I get chief of staff, so, though, if you get elected.
1: Well, let's just
0: <laughs> let's put a it in, in that. Yeah,
1: let's, <laughs> right, right, We'll revisit. <laughs> revisit after the midterms. Um, yeah, I just think it does look cool. West Wing does it way better. But uh, I just couldn't. There's nothing for me to grasp onto. And frankly, Jason Reitman directed Tully. This year, which I liked a lot more.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Hugh Jackman was in Logan last year, which was awesome, and he was in The Greatest Showman, which
0: you loved. Yeah, I love that
1: it movie. It feels like everybody involved in this picture has done a better movie in the last 18 months.
0: Okay. All right. Fair enough.
1: I, I, I don't know. This one felt like it's sort of the attempt to get some Academy love or something, and it just didn't quite achieve liftoff.
0: Yeah, Okay. I've said on the podcast several times in the past that I like a movie with a little ambiguity. And while I've heard the name Gary Hart before, admittedly, this is like, you know, his presidential run, his 88 presidential run. I think I was in fifth grade. So I don't remember much about him at all other than the name. So I really liked that I sort of walked out of the movie a little ambiguous over what happened. Like... I guess he he's sort of him and his wife have come to an agreement that he's got some some issues with infidelity and I don't we didn't see a lot of those conversations but I liked that when he met the woman who he apparently had an affair with that caused the whole brouhaha on the boat you couldn't hear any dialogue you just like see him talking to her the two of them meeting and then you never really see anything develop as a result of that. She comes to his house in Washington. She's there with a friend. The reporters never see him leave. So the whole thing that became a scandal that brought down a presidential candidate, nobody really ever saw anything wholly inappropriate. And so I thought that it was like the appropriate level of ambiguity where you watch it and you're like, well, yeah, probably something happened there, but... I don't know, you know, you got to shrug your shoulders and say, I wasn't there.
1: I think that's fair. And I I liked the touch that Reitman did with the, the, their meet on the boat where you don't even see her face right for for much of the movie. Yeah. Yeah. So there's some, some touches, but I I had to laugh at the whole setup. The whole setup is week one, Gary Hart announces his presidential campaign. He works really hard for four or five days. Then he's so tired from one week's work that he's got to go to Florida and blow (laughs) off some steam. And a buddy takes him out on his boat with a bunch of women and introduces him around. And lo and behold, he meets somebody. Two days later, he's back on the trail. And after three days of that, he calls her to tell her how much he misses her. And then she comes to see him three days later. And then that's pretty much the end of his campaign. (laughs) Well, like this guy worked for like a total of eight days. (laughs) And like halfway through, was so wiped out, he needed to go commit adultery. <laughs> like it just was, it just made no sense. Like it kind of, almost like wants to hero worship Gary Hart because he was so astute at breaking down the, the the mysteries of politics, and, and sort of makes us all feel, or I felt he like was trying to make us feel wistful for like the the candidate that we lost. You know, we could have had Gary Hart. We could have had this great jed bartlett-like democratic presidential leader and instead you know we we didn't and we got george hw bush versus michael dukakis and it's like if only this hadn't brought him down but the way this movie makes him seem not only a kind of an argumentative cold fish but a guy who after four days of campaigning completely wiped out right right. he just had to go and cheat on his wife he just just couldn't hack it it's like well seems like we all dodged a bullet not that we missed out on something great.
0: Well, and I, my first thing that I disliked about the movie is I think that early on in the film, the title cards or the the titles of the movie are like spelling out almost word for word exactly what you said. Like it's like you're reading you're reading two or three paragraphs of the intro to the movie, which I thought was really kind of weird and sort of funny. It was a a, a very odd exposition and intro to the film like and and he ironically goes on to the vote called risky business or whatever monkey business monkey or business, yeah, whatever yeah. like it, it was a really weird intro to the film uh, i also disliked shortly after that when they should they kind of they, they've given you the whole synopsis of the film within the first 10 seconds via cards then they flash back to him actually going through those first you know two weeks of his presidential campaign and i think it's the world's longest montage ever committed to celluloid <laughs> like i i i swear to god the thing went on for 15 minutes where you're just seeing like 10 second clips of him talking to a staffer and him in a press conference and him in a debate and him, like it, it was really the longest montage i've ever seen in film yep
1: But we were just trying to get to it because that was just setting up the fact that it was a long week. What a
0: long, tough week. I was exhausted after that first 15 minutes. I went and cheated on my wife.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It was exhausting to watch. That is terrific.
0: (laughs) I also disliked, you know, there's a scene with reporters talking about... MGM suing Disney over the rights to the mm-hmm. theme park at Dis- That just that kind of broke my heart as a as a Disney fanatic. They were discussing how best to portray Mickey being sad on the cover of the newspaper, and should he be crying or should he be handcuffed? That was that was a rough scene for me to watch.
1: See, and I thought it was funny because they they suggest having someone draw Mickey crying, and then they said, "Well, we've nope, already had we've him done crying that. twice this year." <laughs> twice in the last year Mickey's been on the newspaper <laughs> that's, that's, cover crying
0: that broke my heart that yeah see, that was sad i
1: thought that was yeah. funny what the probably the thing that bothered me the most again it other than this movie couldn't quite decide what it wanted to which camp it was in was the scene of the Washington post including Ben Bradley played right. by Alfred Molina and just their sequences of, of those guys really feeling like well we know this isn't real news and we know it's nobody's business and we, we feel dirty doing this, but if we don't do it, someone else will do it. Right. And it's like in that moment, there goes journalism. Yeah. Like we know this isn't news, but it'll sell papers. So we just got to do it to keep up with the Joneses. Yeah. And, and again, it, it felt like sort of like, well, see, you did this to us. We, we had ethics. We, we weren't going to do this kind of crap. But because people would pay for it, we had to do this kind of crap.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And that's
1: why that's all they do these days. You know, it's like it just felt like a weirdly like we're just trying to justify the the crap twenty-four hour news cycle of infotainment news coverage journalism we get these days. And I just thought I, I don't I don't believe it's all Gary Hart's fault and it was all in this moment but you guys don't get off the hook that fast. yeah now we've got
0: a question coming up in in five questions that addresses that that very point i think that that's that's important okay. and and another another i think good takeaway you know if if you're not going to love the movie at least something to mull over as you walk out of the theater Ooh-wee-ha. what's up with that what's up with that Ooh-wee-ha. what's up with that What's up with
1: that? What is up with Gary Hart looking, I think, rather haggard, but everyone who sees him talking about what a hunk he is? <laughs> he is he's on TV in these debates, and he looks like he, Hugh Jackman looks like he's 55 years old, and his hair looks awful. And all the guys watching keep talking about, boy, look at this guy. He looks yeah, terrific. Yeah, but that was the age. Man, if I, I, think look, that was if I looked that good, man. Man, if I look that good, think of how far I'd be. And it's the, like, he doesn't look that good, guys.
0: I don't know. The outgoing president was Ronald Reagan. I think he was doing better than Ronald Reagan at the time, right?
1: Well, Ronald Reagan looked like a wax statue someone left out in the sun for quite a while. Right, right. But Gary Hartman did not... I mean, Hugh Jackman is a, a handsome movie star, and I thought they dumbed his, his looks down a lot. They had to an 80s him. Like Everyone's talking about what a hunk he was. Right,
0: right. Fair, fair enough. All right. Uh, what's up with? And I'm sure you noticed this. This is the, exactly the kind of thing you would pick up on a movie. The horrible music cut when he's getting on the boat. As he's approaching, you hear the ambient '80s song playing in the background. But then, when he's on the boat talking to Donna Rice in that scene we referenced earlier, with the, it's actually you know playing right in your ear, even though there was no there was no cut like he's standing outside on the boat it would have taken him at least a good minute and a half to get on the boat and say hi to anybody but the song doesn't even elapse 2 seconds that was that was a Rough really cut. a really bad music cut right there
1: Let's quickly uh, just digress. What is up with this being a Jason Reitman film and has a terrible, non-existent soundtrack?
0: Yeah, I feel yeah. like every
1: one of his pictures typically has some really great music. With Some good indie rock, cool yeah, indie rock music, yeah. and just kind of non-traditional mix going on. And there just was, there were long periods where I kept asking myself, "Has there, is there even a score to this movie? Have I heard any music? No, because it just was so poor.
0: Yeah,
1: it didn't. Uh, it a didn't good register. call. A good call." what's up with kevin pollack being alive and in this movie
0: and he looks the same as he did 20 years ago by the when's way when's the last the,
1: time you saw him yeah it's like he's been frozen and yeah. they thawed him out
0: yeah yeah so i say good put for him back him. in the
1: freezer 20 years from now i want to see kevin pollack just like this
0: <laughs> fantastic yes what's up with vera Farmiga's mom jeans Those Uh. those are a wardrobe malfunction (laughs) to the nth degree. Like I know we're trying to 80s this, but wow, yeah, that was bad. Like, what's
1: up? What's up with her character's piano playing? It sounded like a saloon brawl in an old western, (laughs) or like she grew up learning all the soundtracks to Buster Keaton's silent films. (laughs)
0: Somebody kicks in the, the double door, the double wooden door. the yes. So it's just that. <laughs> Throws that, a chair. That yay tall. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what's up with, what's her name? Donna Rice graduating Phi Beta Kappa and then Magna Cum Lauda. Like, did she graduate both those things? Are those both things you can graduate? I don't think I graduated either of those things, so I don't know what they mean. But one, one scene she's bragging about how she graduated Phi Beta Kappa and the next it's how she graduated magna cum laude. What is she making that up, or did she graduate both of those things?
1: I'm not sure, but she's this a is Latin definitely major. Wanted to Make us believe that she was a a very smart, a capable, talented yes. genius. Flight model. attendant.
0: Yes. So yeah. Right.
1: Uh, what's up with Gary Hart and his wife living in a place called Troublesome Gulch? Yeah. Doesn't that just seem like a bad omen type of place? <laughs> like like you're out shopping for your home. And I don't care what industry you're in, but especially if you're like a, a political and public figure. I don't know, how about Troublesome Gulch? What, Does that what, seem like a good place? What what, what area? How about Shallow Grave <laughs> Valley? Is that good? It's great. Syphilis and then you die. <laughs> Cove. That's where I'm from. It's it's just like <laughs> like,
0: like this this is not a good omen if, you, if you've got political aspiration. No, Nobody wants know. that on their Wikipedia page.
1: Right, right.
0: Yeah,
1: just, yeah. That's so terrible. Right. What's up in the opening of this movie? It opens in 1984 with political coverage of the 84 primaries, right. which Gary Hart has just lost to Walter Mondale. And there's a bunch of reporters out giving these their, their stand-ups, kind of cu- cutting to the, the right. coverage. Right. And there is a reporter named Steve... Who just won't shut up? And like his producer is like in the van yelling at Steve to shut up, and telling someone to tell Steve to shut up. Why did we need that?
0: What color did that add? It didn't add a lot. Yeah, I mean, like, and they kind of pass a little bit later. Like he gets in somebody's way in the parking lot. It's 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 an odd scene that didn't. I mean, I think the only point was to set up. Yeah, once upon a time he was almost there, and uh, Walter Mondale obviously calls him to. To congratulate him on the campaign and and uh, Gary Hart concedes but uh buddy are you ready for five questions
1: absolutely
0: let's get into it five questions on the front runner which I can't believe we even got because I can't believe anybody even see saw first question is what is Hugh, this, this movie from about Hugh
1: Jackman. Right.
0: Right. <laughs> right from Hugh Jackman what is this movie about no no I'm just kidding first question. Uh, Does Donna Rice hate Stormy Daniels for not making a ton of money over having sex with a married man running for president? No. Okay. Uh, Question number two. Political reporter Matt Bai writes in his book, All the Truth is Out, off of which this film was based, had Hart won, it's difficult to imagine that Bush's aimless eldest son would have somehow ascended from nowhere to become governor of Texas and then president within 12 years' time. Had that not happened, how would our lives be different today?
1: Um, I don't know. I wouldn't count the Bushes out. They are very, very wealthy yeah. and politically connected. I, I, think, I think it's – and George H.W. Bush held a number of very important offices before he was a one-term president. So I think it's uh, a little easy to say if he hadn't won the presidency in 88, the George W. Bush –
0: would, never would not have, have had a political president. career. Okay. Yeah. All
1: right. And that's my way of sidestepping that whole
0: question. You I, I saw that dance. Well done. Good dance. <laughs> All right. Um, Hart is the second former U.S. senator to hold the post of United States Special Envoy for Northern Ireland. What does that person do?
1: I don't know. Okay. There are so many posts that I really don't know <laughs> what they do. I, I except I presume make... I don't know, 90000 to $170,000. Right, right. We'll probably right. get some sort of tax break. A nice and a, a nice
0: home in Ireland for a while. Right. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. And I don't quite get it. But it's only like a certain district of Northern Ireland because there's several other United States special envoys to Northern Ireland and other areas there. Oh. I made that up. I don't think that's true. Oh, okay. All right, uh, next question. Was the national media right for turning a blind eye to presidential infidelities in the past... Claiming that it is not news.
1: Well, this movie would certainly—I feel like they'd say yes. Th- the nation was right to turn a blind eye before, and weird that they changed. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, you know, maybe it's just the pace of information that reporters had only so much time that they could get in front of us, whether it's TV, radio, or the newspaper, and so they had to decide if I can either tell a salacious rumor or the substantive news of the day I'm going to give people the substantive news yeah. or, I, I don't know what the decision was
0: I have but... to think that that's exactly what it was back in the 60s and 70s that you you only had X number of hours and what difference does it make what the personal lives of the people in office really are Like I, I'm not making an argument one way or another I'm just saying I have to think that's what was on their minds once upon a time I
1: just am so shocked that this is really a thing anymore. I mean, you have to imagine that with the 500 plus members of Congress alone, there are so many weird yeah. relationship issues and marital problems and affairs and picadillos and fetishes that that are going on right now at this moment. And if we really cared and people wanted to know all about them, we'd never talk about anything else. Yeah, right, right. And that'd be a real problem.
0: Yeah, all right, and final question. Um, this is going to be a tough one for you to answer since you've never met him, but did Gary Hart even sleep with that woman or did she and her friend just come over and hang out a couple nights? Oh, they just came over and hung out. You think so?
1: Yeah, yeah, they just played this, like Pinochle. Oh, this is all dumb.
0: nonsense?
1: Yep. All right. He's just so principled, he wouldn't sully her name by going any further.
0: Much Ado About Nothing. And right. that's The front runner.
1: Yeah. Like I said, I I didn't hate this movie, but I found nothing to enjoy. I am ambivalent.
0: Yeah. That's a a great way to describe it. I mean, I guess I enjoyed sort of the historical uh, coverage of it a little bit. I think that those movies are sort of fun and exciting in their own sort of recreate history kind of way. Uh, They didn't overdo it with like news footage on TV. I think, you know, we, we both gripe about how that Tends to creep up in these films, and I think that they they tamed that down a little bit, um, right, right. And, and made it a little bit more enjoyable from that perspective. Uh, I, I like Hugh Jackman, I think that Vera Farmiga was good in it as well, minus her her horrible wardrobe choices. But uh, yeah, just uh, I think a movie that's going to fade into obscurity this year quickly and probably not for bad reasons.
1: Well, no one's ever going to see this movie, so let's just move on to our next episode where we'll be talking about the National Board of Review's Best Picture of the Year, The Green Book, starring Mahershala Ali.
0: Thanks for listening to the Spoiler Alert podcast. Please visit us online at movieoutsiders.com where you can see what films we'll be discussing next, comment on our recent episodes, suggest movies to review or topics to discuss, or submit questions for the five-questions segment of the podcast. Stop by and visit our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash movieoutsiders, and be sure to follow us on Twitter, at movieoutsiders. If you're a fan of the show, we'd really appreciate you leaving a review on iTunes, Overcast, Stitcher, or whatever podcast subscription service you use. We'll be back again next week with another episode, but until then, enjoy the movies.